welcome to the Alporn podcast. We're here live at the uh, Windy City Alporn workshop, our first annual event. Uh, on this episode, we've got Natalie here with us. We'll talk about the event and everything. I've got some other players milling around, so we might be able to get a few more uh, surprise guests in in this episode. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but Sean, Natalie, welcome to the podcast, and how are you guys doing? Hi, Natalie. Hello! It's so great to be here. I wish you could actually like see. I mean, maybe you can hear the birds chirping in the background. It is sunny and gorgeous. It could not be more beautiful. Yeah. So for everyone who's listening, if you want to get kind of an idea of what we're doing today, we're uh, we just did our uh, dress rehearsal, uh, and this is our break between our dress rehearsal and our, uh, and our final concert. Um, but we are here, uh, and our concert is going to be taking place on the plaza at the Independence Grove Forest Preserve in Libertyville, Illinois. Um, and I 100% would encourage everyone to take a look at the facilities here. It's it's beautiful. And I got a big thank you to Natalie and Lori, uh, who's one of the participants, um, that helped me uh, find all of the venues that we were able to use for this event. And they did a fantastic job um, of helping me put this all together. It was really fun for me because I was first introduced to Alporn when I was out in Utah. That's when I first started playing um, through, through Tony and Rob. And so to get to come back and plan something literally where I grew up, you know, um, has been absolutely such a blast and we've had a really great couple days so talk about this venue natalie so we're at this forest preserve they have a large plaza um that's actually um slated for different events they have a concert series here so we're doing one like said at 2 p.m today um, but we've already had many passerbys come by uh, and that's kind of the great thing about the location where we are is there's just so much um foot traffic people come here uh, to rent boats and be out on there's a there's a um, a small lake with a marina there's a beer garden so people can have a beer and sit on the lawn and listen to concerts um, actually my my sister was married here there's a beautiful beautiful banquet facility as well so um, this is a, a special place to me it's absolutely beautiful and this is where you grew up this is where I grew up yeah I grew up my parents house uh, is it's like a, I think I drove here in like five minutes this morning so this is yeah this is coming home. So you and Robert put together this event. Talk about what was what precipitated this and uh, what your thoughts are for future events. I, well, so for me, uh, this was mostly, I, you know, I worked with Natalie at a few events in the past and been able to do a few things and kind of just got to talking. It's a lot of the same thing uh, you and I have talked about, Sean, is my goal is to start doing more of these events spread them around the country, do them at different times of the year, uh, just to make it easier for people that might not be able to go to Utah in August, but maybe they can get to Chicago in May or wherever our next events end up being. But that was part of the goal, and Natalie and I kind of talked, and because she was from here and she works a lot to two universities and is networking through that and knows so many players here, um, and also just knows where things are here. Um, it was just like, it was a really good kind of symbiotic approach Absolutely. to being able to say, this is my goal. I kind of know how to plan these events. Uh, and then Natalie being able to come in and say, well, here's all the little pieces that I didn't have the insider knowledge of, like where things are in the area. And just, it worked awesome. It did, yeah. And I mean, 
you mentioned getting out to Utah. Like, Chicago's very centrally located, right? And I mean, like, getting in, out of, in and out of O'Hare, it's all very easy. So I think it's, it's uh, location-wise, is, is great. We're close, of course, to, to Wisconsin. We are talking about New Glarus beer last night at dinner. You know, like, there's yeah. a great Germanic tradition up there, Swiss tradition up there. So we're close to a lot of that. And you did this because you didn't have enough to do. You, you've got, right. like, not, not enough on your plate. So right. we've had very few repeat guests on our podcast you're one of the very few so oh, maybe you. start with just a review of your biography and uh, how you got connected to the Alphorn scene yeah so like I said I started playing Alphorn through Tony and Rob um, because I was uh, my first my first job out of my doctorate well, I, I, I did my doctorate in horn at CCM at Cincinnati Conservatory and then I went to Hungary for a year on a Fulbright grant um, and basically just got my butt kicked in solfege and ear training for a year by these incredible master Hungarian teachers. And my, my first uh, job was working at Utah Valley University. I had a professorship there as the uh, assistant professor of horn. And so I got a call um, to play for Oktoberfest at Snowbird, which is uh, how I ended up meeting these guys. How'd you find her? Uh, probably through the university. Uh, you just said I need a horn, horn expert. Maybe would you would you have known <laughs> Sonia? Sonia. You knew it through Sonia. That's right. That okay, that would, through Sonia. We, that would have okay. made sense. Yeah. So I got this this call to play, um, <laughs> and so since moving back here, uh, now teach um, musicianship at DePaul University in the city, which has been awesome. It's an amazing, amazing program with wonderful facilities. I love teaching there. I love my students. And then I teach horn at Lake Forest College, which is just a hop, skip, and a jump from where we're sitting right now. This beautiful North Shore campus right by the lake and everything. So I still get to do everything I love, which is play the horn and sing solfege and now play the Alphorn, too. I, it's, it's actually incredible, I feel like, how robust my Alphorn life has become, you know, um, mostly, again, through, through knowing you Yeah, guys. so you just... You and Tony and Robert and Brian just uh, performed in Florida. A few we were in weeks Orlando ago, right? together performing. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, few, uh, a, mu- a month ago, right? Was it two months ago? It was in March. Yeah, and two then it was ago. like March first. And then, um, yeah, I was still like, you know, my fingers were still frozen when I got off the plane. You know, in Chicago, it's been just terrible. Because it's been a terrible year. Here. It's been so. It's been terrible. Yeah, there was a news a news write up. Like we have. This is the longest consecutive amount of days without sunlight or sunshine, I should say. Oh, God, it was terrible. So, But we lucked out. Oh, my gosh, these last few days have been beautiful here. So Great. it's been it's been really, really nice. But, yeah, so it's it's been busy teaching and everything else. But to get to plan this was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It, you mentioned New Glarus a little bit. It's really not that far away. Should you, we just make this a four day event in the next year? I, that's what a, I think. A, just a home a and away? Yeah. Just, yeah. So from here, and then we can just charter a bus. It'll take us up to New Glarus for the day, and then we'll come back. I, I think it's an excellent idea, personally. Yeah. Go up into Wisconsin. So there's been a lot that's happened since we first talked. When we first talked to you, you you said you were in the process of uh, writing a book. So give us an update on your new book. That's right. So I wrote, um, it's called A Singing Approach to Horn Playing, and it integrates like musicianship and singing and solfege into both kind of learning the horn from a technique standpoint and also like I'm talking just pure accuracy, singing, buzzing, these sorts of things, fundamentals. And then transitions into learning specific horn repertoire through singing. So 
you know, horn excerpts, horn solos, and etudes and those sorts of things so that you can really apply your musicianship to your musical life. So, and the other update I should say, uh, well, I'll actually, hold on, one last thing about the book. It launches this summer. Holy smokes, you guys. When? When? And how can people buy it? That's right. July 15th. I feel like I'm on QVC right now. (laughs) This duster, this sweater, you're going to wear it. We will put a link to your page in the episode notes. That's right. Um, It's when? July 15th. You can get it on uh, the Oxford University Press website. Um, It's also, I believe, available on Amazon. But if you you Google a singing approach to horn playing and Natalie Grana, it'll, it'll pop up. I'm sure there'll be many, many methods of buying it. So, yeah, that's that's the book. And I have to tell you, holy smokes. You would think that the process of writing the book itself is, like, where all the time and energy goes. And I have, at this point, spent as much time in production, meaning, like, after my manuscript was submitted, the things that you do with the publisher in terms of, like, Everything from, you know, doing your indexing to getting, um, you know, uh, reviews and peer reviews and copy editing. Oh, my gosh. It's just it's just incredible. So they also wanted me to do a companion website so that you can sing and play along with me um, in video, like with recording. So that took a just how did you find time to do this? I actually did the companion website last summer after the school year. Ended. So we talked to you a lot. Sayonara, yeah, Sayonara Amazing. Summertime. That was my summer project. But mm-hmm. the other update I was going to say is that Sean has now taken uh, solfege lessons with me since, yeah, that was last, you must have interviewed me last spring, I think. It was last February, maybe. And huh? he, uh, February a year ago. You, you have accomplished just an unbelievable amount. Mm-hmm. Went from like essentially not reading music to now having entire pieces memorized on solfege that you can sing and play and it's it's incredible what what has happened what is so talk about solfege i mean there's a i i didn't know anything about it and even i'm surprised at how many professional musicians that we talk with never heard of it before so explain the this methodology of solfege it's incredible right so you're so you're assigning a different syllable like a a a sung syllable to each note of the scale so do re mi fa sol la ti do it's it's the stuff from you know the sound of music so Um, everyone's familiar with with the song they they know more about it than they They maybe realize yeah just the term solfege you know say solfege they're like oh god bless you yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) is that german yeah yeah exactly Um, but it, I do find it interesting that I, I don't know many kind of programs in America that really utilize solfege where it does feel like when I'm in Europe, more players right. are familiar with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it has a lot to do. Our, our music education system really prioritizes instrumental like um, ensemble playing, like band, right. orchestra, which I love. I mean, I'm listen, I, I grew up in band. I, I wanted to play in band so badly. That's why I ended up in music. But we lack in terms of um, having like really structured curriculum or curricula, I should say, structured curricula in musicianship training, meaning just music literacy fundamentals. Um, in Hungary, where I was, that's considered part of the school day, just like science or reading or math, yeah. anything else. And so um, it's it's built into their, their education, whereas here we kind of just you know, kids start an instrument. They probably don't read music. That was me. I'd started the horn without any kind of uh, musicianship training. And uh, it's just a nightmare because you're trying to learn how to physically play an instrument while you're also trying to learn how to read music, which is in itself its own language. So it's it's too much to put on an 8-year-old or a 10-year-old kid. Um, and so a lot of times we kind of just end up 
sweeping our issues in terms of our musicianship under the rug. And um, my goal in writing my book was that if people wanted to kind of remedy that, that there would be resources. Because that's the other issue is that there aren't really resources that tie the two together. Um, so there's plenty of sight singing books out there. There's plenty of horn method books out there, but there aren't any sight singing horn method books. So, so over the last uh, year and a half, I've had the opportunity to see a lot of your uh, manuscript, and I, you've tested a lot of this with me. Uh, That's so right. let's, let's talk about some of the uh, approach that you have. And we, we, did the, we did some solfege for the first time I think ever you've got you've been doing this for 15 or 16 yeah. years right we Robert? were able to do some uh when natalie joined us in Lebanon, oh, you did. washington oh yes. so, so you you have done it before it's yeah, the first so that i'd the, seen it this in is a, the first retreat. time that we've we've that was my only had, time i've done it okay. yeah had natalie be able to kind of come and join us at the at one of the events that i organize and then gets uh run through the alporn institute so so my history was i after a lot of coercing, I got uh, Tony Brazelton to agree to work with me. And after about a year of working with Tony, he said, you need some music theory. <laughs> I mean, I can remember him just like putting his hand on my shoulder and saying, go get help. <laughs> And uh, You're so making I, my point exactly, though, about starting an instrument before right. you read it. It just doesn't work. And so we had talked to Natalie, and then Natalie emailed me, and and um, so she said, "Well, you know, I'm thinking about doing this, and I'm writing this book, and I and I've got the, I want this opportunity to test this, and uh, so." I mean, so talk about the first few months, Natalie. It was painful. I, it was not painful. It was Sean painful. has been a joy to work with. But, well, I'll say a couple of things. I hope I'm not, like, oversharing. Um, I think, to some extent, you would just, uh, you know, I've actually gotten to know Sean better over the last couple of days just because, yeah. you know, we've never met in person before That's this. Right. And Sean has no, now, my, yeah, you know musical people no. in your family. No. Like, your parents no. didn't do music, nothing. <laughs> And so I felt like it took us a couple of lessons for you to even just be comfortable with your voice with singing, right? Because you never really sung before, right? I like never was, have. Yeah. I never know. Yeah. And I, you know. And I had this, I was really self-conscious about it as well, <laughs> that I couldn't, I couldn't, I would listen to you say, uh, sing a, a tone and I couldn't match it. And you'd say, do this. And I couldn't. And I was just, I was so bad. And I, <laughs> I thought... Okay, I can't do this. Well, so, I mean, it was like three or four months, and I just had I, I thought, I can't do it. Well, and one of the things that I would remind you that I think is so important in life, I mean, specific to music, of course, but in life, is I would say, you're not bad at this, you're new at this, because that's such an important distinction. And I, I tell my students that, because I, I teach freshmen at DePaul, and, oh, I get this so fast, I'm bad at it. You're not bad at it. If you had been speaking Italian for two weeks, would you say, I'm bad at Italian? No, you're just now learning Italian for the first time. So it's a skill like anything else that takes time to develop. And for you to be coming from no musical background, really, I'm going to say, like, not only a lack of musical training, but musical culture in your life. Nothing. It was nothing yeah. that was a part of your of your life. Um, so it took a while just to get you comfortable with singing, I think. And we had to work on things like matching pitch, like match me here, and then just have you sing, you know, sing, a, sing the same note as me. All that just took some time. And then once we got into, once you really, like, could see, I think actually for you, one thing I wish I'd done earlier was having you sing the literature. Yeah. Because 
you asked me about my approach. Everything is song-based, meaning the first thing you do is you're singing music, which I know you're like, what are you talking about? Of course you're singing music. A lot of people do things like, you know, interval studies and sort of these different fundamental um, exercises. We always start with a song on text, not on solfege. Because we're musical beings by our nature, you know, like you, you hear that you've got music playing in your car, you, you hum along or, you know, maybe you sing in church if you go to church. Melody, you know, is, is, what, is what engages us with music. And so by starting with a song, it kind of takes away some of the theory, you know, the, the sort of more imposing aspects of, of uh, music theory. So... Yeah, we start with song and then we gradually move to solfege and then kind of extracting different musical tasks like, um, you know, rhythmic tasks and polyphonic tasks through those songs. So I love that you told me the story of um, when kids or anyone learns a language that they start by listening mm -hmm. and then they try to... Uh, speak and then they read and then they write and that and that it that is typically the progression and that in uh, a lot of western music and and america is it's start with reading, reading. and writing and right. when you have you've never had the basis and uh, i thought that that was a, a great analogy of how um how the methodology works That's for right. solfege. That's exactly right? right. Right. That we're working with those four vocabularies, the hearing, the speaking, the reading, and the writing vocabularies, and we're doing it in the right order. So, yeah. And so for the Alphorn, what a, this is such a great um, methodology because uh, so much of it is just singing. And I can remember when you started saying, here, let's take a phrase out of a out of an Alphorn piece that maybe I knew or didn't, and then you'd have me sing it, and then you'd have me play it, and how that transformed my thinking, my how, listening to me sing the pitch and then play the pitch. Whoa, it was transformational it, for me. Yeah, it was. It, it. I mean, and it was so incredibly. I, I was. I enjoyed watching you every week. It was like I could just see the progress. Um, when you were applying all the all these approaches to the repertoire, and I think I started saying and didn't finish saying that, really I think that was the important thread for you that we make that connection. As soon as I had you start solfeging Alphorn literature, well, you <laughs> you like lit up and it all yeah, came right. together. Because at first this solfege thing, you were like, what is, what is going on? And I really had to kind of like, I promise this is this is gonna help. It's gonna work. And I so I'm just I'm so appreciative that you stuck with me and because I was gonna give up and I and you I thought it was great that you just kept changing your approach. Okay, this didn't work, let's try this. Let's let's look at this. And I remember one week when you said, Okay, let's sing an F. Remember that? Yes. We were yes. singing in C, and then you, you can't do that. But let's sing an F, and then I could sing an F. He, but nobody oh my can. God, Sean! It's so funny. Sean can sing so well in F, and he can sing an incredible Tay, like because of the B flat in the overtone series. Because he's just, like he sings B flat better in tune than like I can. Yesterday we were we yes, were doing it. That's we right. We were sight singing a a piece that had Tay in it. Right. Which is like Mixolydian mode, like would be so bizarre for like most people. It's like really tricky and Sean can do it no problem because he plays Alphorn all day. 
I think that helped me change my thinking too, that you said, okay, this is dull. This is seeing concert F as dull. And then I could start taking these other keys using that right. as, and I know that you probably have never had a student that is, has ever taken that approach where your anchor is concert F, right? <laughs> um, maybe not necessarily. I, I mean, so actually now Sean and I are doing a key a month right yeah, now. Right. Where you're on the key of A right now, yeah, I think, right? right? We're just going we've around done the a, circle of fifths. A, but, most of them. We've done a lot right. of them, right? But then I'll always, whatever key we're in, I'll have you transpose whatever we're doing into the key of F, sing it and play it on your Alphorn right now as well, too. So as I share some of the things that you're doing with me, uh, and that have come out of your book even, so many professional musicians that I know are s- s- shocked at what you've done, taking me from zero foundation to some really advanced s- stuff of transposing in my head and singing in every key, and it's just, it's been amazing, and I, I'm really appreciative. Oh, it's been beyond a joy. It has been beyond a joy. I say that Sean is my Alphorn angel. Yeah, right. So... The other thing that, going back to the Alphorn family, at the end of last year, Robert, Tony, Babe, and I were playing in Salt Lake. You flew in. You flew in in December. Yeah, I don't remember dro- exactly. drove in. Right? Uh, something. You never, you didn't even see the music. Babe and Tony and I had been working on this for months, <laughs> like that. since the summer. And I had this really an amazing experience where... I had 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 this like really rough day and uh, and I knew I had to go do this and I couldn't do it and uh, driving down there to this event I just I remembered all of your solfage you put the drone on in the car and I put the drone on in the car Mm -hmm. before I went there and it was just this great experience and uh, so I mean if you are interested in the Alphorn or any instrument. I mean, what do you see? We talked about my experience, but what what do, have you seen taking someone, especially in a in a brass or a you know any any instrument, and and introducing solfege as part of your daily practice or as part of your routine in in uh, practicing your instrument? I always advocate incorporating it consistently over a huge amount of time like because I think it's very imposing people are overwhelmed by the thought they don't know how to do it again there aren't resources to do it and oh I only have especially like my adult amateur students they're like listen I've got a full-time job I've got kids I got whatever like I do not have the time to to practice and I to get my horn on my face and what I tell them is if you you can seriously spend five minutes 10 would be luxurious but I've had colleagues too like professional colleagues that have spent which by the way I should say I should just like I want to just debunk or like let everybody know that I have professional colleagues like in professional orchestras that everybody harbors some degree of um what am I trying to say like insecurity about this really and like they'll come to me for help and they're like I well I don't sing fifths in tune. I'm like, girl, come on. We've all got some. It's fine. It's fine. We can work on this. It's just like, you know, um, it's just like any other facet of your playing that that you you work on it and it improves. But anyway, so consistency is more important than dedicating a ton of time. Don't sit down. Don't think I've got to do a half hour or an hour ear training session today. Do a five minute take take a, take a page out of my book yeah, or if not right. a, my out of my book take a, a singing book or even a hymn if if you got a hymn I, whatever take a simple melody 
sing it on solfege, buzz it and play it. You know, just so that you can incorporate some of um, some of the transfer between um, your like natural and innate ability to sing to playing the instrument. So doing more consistent sessions more regularly is so much more beneficial than like, oh, I'm going to sit down and do this mega session once a week. It's, it's just like, again, if I, wanted, if I wanted to have uh, better lip trills, I wouldn't sit down and practice lip trills for an hour one day a week. I would practice them for 10 minutes every day or every other day or, or whatever, however your practice routine works out. So consistency is so much more important, and it pays dividends. It really does. Like I said, I've had colleagues and students do 15, a 15-minute thing once a day or every other day, and, and they really start to see it work. So you mentioned me setting a drone. So for those of you that don't know what that is, I mean, t talk about what a, what a drone is, Natalie. So that's just setting, you know, usually you'll use tonic, meaning like whatever do is in the key that you're, or the key that you're in, the first note of the scale. So for Alphorn, F, F, or F, F or F sharp. F sharp, depending on where you are. Transposed, if you want to do that. See, aren't you glad he didn't learn F sharp Alphorn? Oh my god! Oh, we were doing <laughs> that. Oh, I was dying yesterday. I kept. You know what it is? Is that after playing F, I kept wanting to lip everything down. Okay, so I was like, god, you've I'm got so some sharp. sympathy for some of the nonsense that you were giving me early on. I was like, I just want to bend the pitch down half a step on I every love it. single. Oh my lord! I forgot what the question was now. You so about a drone. drone. How, how do you? When you, you said, right. what's a drone? Yeah. So, so what's a drone? Whatever do is in the in the key that you're playing or singing in, you set a, um, it, it just like a, a held note. Um, and there's lots of different apps you can get that will do this for you. I have one, and Sean uses it too, called Tonal Energy. Um, but there's others. There's there's yeah. free ones out there we'll you put can a, download. We'll put a link in the episode yeah. on that as Tonal well. Because I, I love it. It's really good. So I'll get in the car and turn the drone on where nobody can hear me, where I've got no... Nobody judging me or listening to me or going, All right, what is wrong with you? And I'll just, while I'm driving, try to match. And, and, well, and now, Natalie, you've helped me memorize a lot of these songs that we've worked on over the last uh, year and a half. And um, so I'll, I'll think about the songs that we're working on and uh, set the drone and just sing solfege to the songs that we're working on. When I do that and then go play my Alphorn, even songs that I've never played before, I can play it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. I'm such a advocate of this. It is so fantastic. Yeah, it, it really does change everything. So one of the songs we're going to play today in this concert in a few minutes is Bankley Alp. And uh, most Alphornists know Bankley Alp. It's a very famous traditional uh, song in Switzerland. That, it's the first one I ever learned. I, it's the first one you learned. It's yeah. the first one I learned, right? I, I'm sure it's the, the most commonly played Alphorn song. I haven't met a group of Alphorn players anywhere that didn't have it memorized. So you took that song, and what you did w with that song for me, where you said, okay, you start out on Do. Do, so, mi, so, do, re, mi, re, do, re, so, so. Right? Perfect. So what you did in helping me learn all of the notes using Bankley Alp and and hitting those notes perfectly, going from Do Sol Mi and then up to Do Re Mi as a simple 
approach, we then we had an we had two octaves in on the Alphorn through solfege using Bankley Alp. So that if people are interested, if Alphorns are interested in testing this, my recommendation is try Bankley Alp because. I've noticed, I mean, for me, it was always hard to, where do you start? And then how do you make sure you get up and down? And that dough in Bankley Alp going down and then back up is it's a good place to start, I think. Yeah, that, I think that is an excellent melody. And you've, yeah. you've used that on to, to do some more complex theory as well with me that's been really good. Um, thirds and chords and whatnot. The evening piece, evening piece um, as well is like a yeah. really good introductory solfege. It sits on the it sits on the voice really nicely and the range is very singable. That's another yeah. beautiful one. Yeah. I love it. So what I don't know. So one of the things that I keep uh, that I, I've been asked by a few uh, listeners of the podcast who, who've come um, here and it's one of the things that I'm now learning is that since we're telling all of these stories on yeah. the podcast now when I go to these events and I meet new people, they already know all of my stories. Like, oh, I've right. got no <laughs> new material. So I was like, kind of, is like, kind of got me thinking. Is like, what are some kind of new stories that we have on the Alphorns? Like, I know Sean and I have some experiences. Yeah. I have a couple actually really cool. Well, I have one really cool experience with the Alphorn that I like to share. Uh, Natalie, do you have anything with the Alphorn that's just been like a, a super fun or interesting, like wonderful memory? Yeah, um, or just, you know, like an interesting story around the Alphorn that just kind of has popped up. I'll let you go first, and I'm going to ponder well, that I'll, question. Okay, I'll start. As, I mean, everyone that has been listening to this from the beginning knows that my connection to the Alphorn really wasn't about... I, I, I never set out to have to pursue Natalie, Natalie and this approach, and it just sort of was a, a catalyst to, to get me here. But being able to play the Alphorn in nature for me is is been what this has been all about and uh, there's always been a connection to the mountains and skiing and being on the top of a peak somewhere so I just got back from Greenland uh, I spent uh, two weeks in Greenland in the backcountry and I took uh, my Alphorn with me to Greenland uh, which uh, most of the Greenlandic uh, residents had never seen an Alphorn before, and for those of you that aren't familiar with Greenland, it it's a, I mean, it's a country uh, about uh, eighty percent of the size of the U.S. Uh, Robert, are you serious? Four, four times the size of Texas, Robert. I, I know had Greenland no is massive. idea. <laughs> with fifty thousand people living there. That's bonkers. And 80%? thousands. Yes, I mean it is. It's like the size of Western Europe. It is bananas. I ma no idea. massive with thousands and thousands of these peaks. You go to the Alps and you see the the Alps and how amazing it is and where these instruments emanated and uh, the inspiration and the art form came out of the Alps. There's thousands of miles of peaks that look just like the Matterhorn, one after another after another. So I spent the last two weeks climbing to the top of a lot of these peaks and um, and it's just it, it was a really uh, incredible experience and being able to translate that emotion and uh, like this love I have of being in the mountains and skiing through 
the Alphorn was fantastic. So there, there's my recent experience yeah, and story. And, well, so Sean's been Sean's been nice and busy too because I think two days before he went to Greenland yeah. was uh, when he flew back when we were uh, just out in Germany. You are a maniac. You are an um, actual maniac. My office keeps saying, do you still work here? <laughs> because we don't see you. But it, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, so uh, Sean and then uh, uh, my father, Tony Brazelton, who's been on. Um, so we, we went over to Germany and got to spend some time, met Hubert Henze in person, got to see his workshop. Who was a guest. Um, and took part in uh, the first annual Rutenner Alphorn event, uh, which was in a gorgeous little, little, uh, little, uh, similar to this, similar to this Sim forest similar to the forest preserve area, um, called the Biebertal next right. to Rutten, Germany. Um, which and, is the and, Beaver Valley. Yeah, Beaver <laughs> Valley. Um, and it was, got to talk to the, kind of the lead, uh, preservation worker there for a little bit. And it's, you know, they're, they're getting to do a lot of fun things. I think he said in the next 10 years, they're hoping that they'll actually be able to reintroduce beavers to That's right. the area, just as a little aside, but we got That's to go meet, I think, I think there was about 90 Alporn players there who I'd met none of yes. previously so we got to go meet a bunch of new players and well and talk about how the german approach is so different and different just the different songs the different uh, it yeah. was a different chemistry wasn't it it was yeah it, I, it was interesting that i guess i've seen a fair amount of the culture working in a, a polka band right I'm pretty familiar with the southern German, mm -hmm. Bavarian. Munich, the Munich area. Yeah, so I'm Oktoberfest. used to like that. I'm used to Austria. And like, so I have, I've experienced the Alpine regions of Europe a lot, and I'm pretty familiar with the culture. But it was getting up into northern Germany. Uh, it was interesting to see, yeah, like Sean was saying, their approach to music and some of the just the way that they'll do different instrumentation like there was one group there that had three alphorns that were all in b flat yes yeah was so, it was that the alphorn yeah, rebels that no that was the group um with the the gentleman who won the uh auction oh that yeah oh, yeah, that, yeah right uh for the horn <laughs> that right. uh, hubert henza donated uh, for an auction to raise money for ukrainian refugees right. in germany how about this story? Robert and I got yelled at by a Swiss national who didn't like how we were playing Corral for Lucerne. Talk about that well, story. <laughs> anyone who's heard uh, Salzburg Echo and us play Corral for Lucerne will, will notice that we don't really play it as a corral at all. Um, we use it as more of a fanfare, and we play it, like, nice and up-tempo. Um, and and he flipped out. Yeah, this one guy, he's like, we tried to, you know, so we're trying to build camaraderie and everything, and he's like, yeah, come come join us. And then I don't know why Dad called up that song knowing that the guy was Swiss, because we've played it in Switzerland before, and the best reaction we ever got was, I don't think we play that one quite that way. So it was like, yeah, and it's, I mean, it's a well-known song in right. Switzerland, and we just play it in a completely different fashion. But yeah, so it was like, I don't, I don't know why that was the song that got called, but the guy was just like, that is not what you do. 
But he came back around when you pulled out the vehicles and you were playing your, your yeah, duet. No, he, he, loved, he, was, he loved that. Yeah, he was nice. Every, everyone that we met there was fantastic. And there, there was uh, some fun groups. There was the Alporn Rebels, who uh, was two uh, husband and wife couples and then one of their friends, who I don't remember exactly where they kind of hail from. They're from Germany. Yeah. Well, I know from Germany, but I don't remember Yeah, close in that area. Um, but they, they have kind of a, a fun approach where they really don't play really any of the traditional yeah. stuff. They they do a lot of things that, um, I, well, the composer Bertolt Stieck, um, Schick, has done a lot of work with, like, figuring out how to do, like, tangos and some other polkas on and arranging those songs just for alphorns. I mean, it sounds different than a lot of the material that we get from Switzerland in that region. So they, they focused a lot on those, and they incorporated singing into yep. their stuff uh, a lot more than they other did. groups that I've heard. So that was fun. Um, there was the one group that the, the two gentlemen had made their horns and then had, like, carved the bells to, like, stand up like a cobra. <gasps> I was, saw that picture. It was, in, it was incredible. It was the weirdest thing. There We, we saw a lot of awesome. new, yeah. new stuff there. A lot of new stuff there. Uh, so. Concert at two o'clock right here. <laughs> so who actually? Did someone actually play these? Oh yeah, there's a, like twelve of us that do. Yeah, so come back uh, at two. Yeah, come back at two. There'll be about twelve of us playing right here. <laughs> cool. Um, but yeah, so for the listeners, we're we're just out here yeah. hanging out in the park. So I'm sure you've heard airplanes and birds and motorcycles. That was just and, a future Alport fan. Yeah, and we got some people that are gonna come back to the show here in a little bit. Um, sold out. Yes. <laughs> sold out, Natalie. Good work. That's right. I think because there's actually no chairs, we can call it standing room only. Yes. Definitely standing room <laughs> it's only. It's totally sold out. So, I mean, Natalie, what some of the things that uh, you've been doing with Alphorn, I mean, is there anything that stands out over the last few months? Well, actually, well, actually I was thinking, when you were talking about the, the different traditions and, and musical cultures, this was actually not specifically a Alphorn story, but it is a horn story in Germany. I was playing in a festival orchestra that was conducted by Christoph Pendereski, who's a very famous composer. And the horn section, it was an international festival, so I was one, there were two Americans in the horn section and one horn player from Serbia and one from the UK. And we decided that we had a day off. We went to Munster and we were going to just busk in the street, like just put out a hat, play horn quartets. And we, between the four of us, all kind of had some sheet music. Um, We just decided like, do we need to rehearse? No, no, we'll just go out in the street and we'll, and whatever. It's it's fine. It's street music. Nobody cares. We'll just, we'll just play. We'll right. just sight read stuff. So um, I'm thinking about like street music here in Chicago, you know, where anything goes. So then we go out and we, and we start playing. And um, this, this like very shortly after we start, this man comes up to us and, and he starts speaking in German and none of us spoke German. So we got kind of flagged him like, uh, n- n- you know, nine. And he goes, he starts speaking something else. Nine, no. He goes, English. She said, yes, yes, we speak English. And and he said, oh, I just love the De Meister singer that you just played. And here we're thinking, whatever, it's on the street music. It doesn't, nobody knows. It's fine. And in Germany, man, they they, they just know their music. I guess probably specifically know their, their German music. But, like, if you play Wagner, you can't show up and just sight read on the street. But we had a good laugh after that. We were like, okay, so we need to bring our A game to everything that we're playing because uh, even street music here is, like, it's got to be top notch. Love so. it. Yeah, uh, so I guess I'll do kind of my um, 
what was a really cool experience for me. And I, I ended up, one morning, I think it was like right before, it was like the day before we recorded our last episode of the podcast, Sean. But at like nine in the morning, I, I get a, a phone call. And there was a gentleman who was calling to see if I happened to know an Alporn player that could be at a funeral that afternoon in San Diego. And it was yeah, and it was so they had had a family a family friend who was going to come play at the funeral for this gentleman's father, uh, who wasn't able to do it at the last minute, and it was just one of those where like I realized that I've haven't been paying attention to how many connections I've built yep. through this. And so it was I got the phone call while I'm on the phone with the guy. I'm searching like flight numbers as like. Is it possible? Like, can I get there in time? Is it? Is there a flight that will get me from Austin to San Diego in time for this? You know, it's like, can I get someone to drive from Utah? Can I? And I start calling around, and then it's like, I remember that there was a gentleman that I had sold a horn to in Los Angeles a few years ago. So I was able to give him a phone call. He knew someone who had an Alporn and was living in San Diego. So I was able to. It, I think in a matter of two hours, kind of hop on the phone tree and was able to find someone who could go play a, a funeral for um, the, the gentleman whose funeral was um, had immigrated from Switzerland with his wife in, I think, the 1960s. My goodness. Um, and then they actually are, the, the family are all horticulturists. And so the, the father whose funeral it was he'd actually started a cactus and succulent farm outside of San Diego. And then I was able to, you know, it's, I very much, I would have done it for free anytime, like happy to help. That's one of my favorite parts of being a musician is helping add an element to kind of whatever the event is to help make it special for mm-hmm. someone. Yeah. So funerals I think are really big for me is like if I can help bring some light into an otherwise kind of dark day yeah but yeah so i was able to help this and then as a show of appreciation the gentleman who called me actually sent me one of the cactuses that was the hybrid that his father had developed so So now i have yeah this beautiful blooming cactus um that i got as a as as a tip as a show of appreciation for being able to do that and as as much as that's the best tip I've ever received for anything yeah. I've done musically. But I, I was just very happy that even though I wasn't able to go do the performance myself, that I was able to help get that to happen for the family and, and help make their day a little bit better. So we've got a lot going on in the next few months. Um, Leavenworth in a few weeks. Um, yeah, so yeah, we got then Leavenworth. Then you're going out to... To Monica's event. Yeah, so in I'll be I'll be in West Virginia. West Virginia. Um, and then pretty shortly after West Virginia, we go to Switzerland. Right. And then pretty quick after and that is the North American, North American in August, and then it's Oktoberfest yeah. season. So there's so. a lot, lot happening. Uh, what are you working on for Nanda? Well, so I have, I I'm still. <laughs> I, I'm still a little bit, it's it's murky. Like, I haven't figured out what I want to do for a solo yet. 
but I, I've put a lot of work into the, the Bugle duet that I Dad and I it. are preparing. It's really so, a great piece, and you've been performing it a lot. I mean, every chance you get to perform it, yeah, and it's. And this is this piece has kind of been on the back burner for a while. So we were intending to take this piece to the festival in Nanda in twenty twenty, which obviously didn't happen. So we've kind of you know it's like we we kind of were getting pretty close to having it ready, and then it was like canceled so then we like it like kind of fell by the wayside and then we started to like work it back up as like oh maybe we can go and then couldn't do it last year so it's like now that things are a little bit easier to travel I mean we're not completely done with the pandemic but it's but it's it wasn't bad going now. to Germany no, I mean Germany I, I was, was not too bad. surprised that Europe was so receptive to tourism I, I think again yeah and I think I, I think uh, I'll, I'll give a lot of credit to the citizens of those countries where it's like yeah. they the, the governments and the citizens of those countries worked really hard to kind of do everything they could to make that the, those communities um, healthy and keep everyone so that the the pandemic numbers weren't as bad there yeah, right and I think that showed and that we were able to travel and feel comfortable and you know their regulations I think were they're pretty well able to at least at the moment get rid of almost all mask mandates and right. you know it was like it was a good show of hey they they worked really hard and now it's nice that I can get over and travel and get to experience those cultures again and yep exactly. get to meet people that I wouldn't otherwise get So it's to. been two years since the last Ananda happened, I, right? Was it was it 20 or 2019? I think they might have had something last year, but I don't know what it is. So it was like, I think there were some other reasons. I think there was talks of last year that they were going to try to do it in July, and if they couldn't do it in July, it was going to get moved to September. So it was one of those where it's like even if travel had kind of been yeah. open and easy at that point, that's we would have been working. So, so it's going to be an Alphorn rager this year with yeah no I think pent up Alphorn. <laughs> I, I think there's going to be a lot of players there, and as much as I feel I'm feeling pretty good about the piece that Dad and I are putting together, it's also I think there's going to be a lot of other players there that have been working on their, on their pieces for almost three years too. We've heard this so many times that people have said. I, that's all, this is all I've been doing for the last three years is practicing, and so you're you're probably going to see some interesting things in July in Nanda. I and and I, I mean just from the first time that I went, and then seeing just how the players that I would see over there, kind of every two years or so, seeing how they've improved. Hopefully, they yeah. think the same about me, but also seeing. The, the level of musicianship that that's coming to all of these events now and, and it's just Incredible. like one of the things this week that I thought was interesting is that uh, we had a uh, you, you had somebody that attended this festival that uh, a professional musician had been a, has been a uh, teacher uh, his whole career and amazing artist just an incredible artist he had never played the Alphorn outside before, and it was such a different experience. And so, I, my, I mean, my recommendation to everyone, and and uh, I just, when, when people say, what, where do you like to play? I play outside, and uh, it's a different experience, and it's almost, uh, 
we've we've talked about this previously that it's a, a meditation or a spiritual experience to have that experience in nature and the breathing and being in touch with the birds singing and whatnot. So yeah, I mean it is it really is. It, there's something to that and. I, I thought that was until it, last night. He said last night was the first time he'd ever played an Alphorn outside. And he said it was such a different experience. Go play your Alphorn outside and connect with nature. That's my recommendation to people. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I'm actually from where I from where I sit as the organizer of the event or at least the main organizer because I definitely did not pull this off on my own I had so much help from Natalie and uh, Lori the attendee uh, who are both local here in the Lake Forest North Shore region but from where I'm from where I view the event I think it was very successful I'm very happy with how this went and it's you know we'll we'll get a chance to kind of We'll probably, you know, take a couple weeks until after this and give ourselves a chance to kind of get a little hindsight so we can get kind of that clearer picture about what we can do to make it better because, you know, we always want to make these events as successful as we can for everyone involved. But I think the group was pretty high-quality players. I'd like to figure out how to get some more students. We we did actually finally get... uh, one college student was able yeah. to, to come to this event, and I'd like to make a push to have uh, more people who are, are kind of at the front end of their music career and see if I can get more people at, that as they're working towards becoming a professional musician or a hobbyist musician, but have the Alphorn be a part of their that entire journey. Well, and I, you know, following Bill Rose's uh, comment that he's using the Alphorn is, a, is an instrument to, to teach his uh, brass artists um, really how to, how, you, can't, you can't fake it with uh, the Alphorn and to, you, you've got to be precise. I think you're exactly right. That, that it's uh, yeah, and a great opportunity for, especially for uh, artists that are interested or you know, any, yeah, anyone, totally. that, anyone once, that has an interest in it. Uh, Sean and I, once you, once we get our kind of other projects set, like I think I'm going to make a, a press uh, to get into more universities and start kind of offering master classes and make it so that a lot of these students can get a chance to play an Alport. And then hopefully we can get a lot of universities to get some kind of some grant money and, and start a little program and, you know, see if we can build up some materials to help the, the instructors at these schools kind of have a program that's more or less set, kind of build up a, a syllabus for them, but then let those teachers do what teachers are so amazing at and curtail that to their students. Absolutely. I guess Natalie took her Alphorn into her her class and uh, the students just loved it. We, we lost Natalie for a minute. She, yeah, <laughs> she we're, worked we're, at a, a technical issue, getting... but uh, so that it gave us an opportunity to talk a bit about um, uh, some of the upcoming events and uh, and whatnot. But I, Robert, you you and Natalie and Lori did such a great job with this event for the first, you know, for being the first time that you've held it doing it uh, all remotely it was uh, just tremendous and I 
had a, a, a great week in Chicago and working with some incredible artists here. Yeah, I, and what I'm continually amazed by is it all of the it's it's probably 18 or 19 of these events that I've been involved with now. I don't think there's I don't think I've ever had a group come in to be part of one of these outpouring workshops. I've never been a part of a group or seen a group that weren't just all generally good people. And Absolutely. It's always been easy to spend time with everyone and talk, and I haven't really noticed any contention between people who are participating in this. And I think the fact that I try to facilitate the scenarios so that we can build a camaraderie within the community but it doesn't feel like I have to do a lot of work. When I say I facilitate times and places for this to happen, it's really just I plan an event and then everyone just comes together and shares their stories and their goals and and then, you know, we get to work together and make some awesome music. Very few of the attendees of this event had played together. That was the other thing that has come out of this that I think was so special was I've heard from so many of the artists that have said just the opportunity to play Alphorn with other artists has been has been an incredible experience, and uh, and I, I mean that that's a big part of it, right? Yeah. It, it's you, to hear the stories, to hear the technique, to hear the approach is really a lot of the value I get from these events, and then listening to some of these artists that are just amazing. And I think it's always fun to see, we, we did this a bunch uh, this week, to see a really great brass artist um, pick up a, an outhorn and just and play it. And it's, it, it's incredible. I mean, we saw that a lot this week. And you can just see their, they just melt as they play this incredible instrument. Yeah, no, it's, it's always a good time. I it think. is. We might be getting Natalie back now. Is she coming our... back? Oh my come goodness, back. Natalie, come, come back! back. Did we, we get our technical issues? <laughs> no, solved? we did not. They, did not. they okay. he turned down the transformer over there. Is, but... is there a is there a high school nearby that we can borrow a megaphone from? He is gonna see. Well, the people on the podcast and they know this. He's gonna see if he can get a converter for this down here. Oh, okay. He thinks he might have one. Anyway. We were talking about this week's event. Was there anything that was significant for you from this week, Natalie? Gosh, well, the first thing, like I said, is getting to plan something where I grew up and oh, get to bring this great. here um, and to get to share it. I mean, like even as we've been sitting here, people have come by and like oh, they're so excited. You know, just the the horn, the look of the horn alone it, it, they're so beautiful attracts it attracts people and, and brings them in so it's really great to get to share that um with my hometown uh just i'm always i'm always really blown away by how far you your you know present company included how far people will come too we've got people from uh let's see utah and we had one guy that actually could not come from north carolina but uh pennsylvania where else are iowa iowa utah Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, so people come from and Kentucky. Louisville. Yeah, Kentucky. So um, you know, people people love it, and they and they really congregate and, and enjoy. Um, th- it's so much a social thing too. You know, I thought it was fun seeing so many of these brass artists that had never played an alphorn before 
just melt as they <gasps> That's as true. They yeah, we had play, two right? professional hornets that were here as participants, and they just loved it. Like, great. just loved it. So... That's great. Well, you, you two did an amazing job, and uh, thank, thanks for letting me be involved with this. It was just <gasps> thank incredible. Thank you for coming. Oh my it gosh! A, it was a great, it was a great week, and uh, this is a great venue and a great event, great people, and the Alporn family just continues to grow. It so. does. It does. Lots of new friends. So mm -hmm. Natalie, I mean, while I do these events and try to get them spread out around the country, um, in one sense, I, I am actively doing everything I can to uh, get this community to grow yeah. but I, I do think it's it's also been nice to see that this world is getting a little bit smaller and it's starting to be more interconnected and everyone's getting a chance to you know maybe not know everyone in the Alporn world but I think we're getting closer to where everyone kind of knows of all of the other Alporn players and then as we get more horns into more people's hands and, and help this grow. I I like to see how tight knit we can keep that as as this expands. Absolutely, you two are amazing. And uh, for everybody listening, buy Natalie's book, July fifteenth. <laughs> yes, as of and today, which is May fourteenth, you can find it on Amazon for pre order. Whoa, you can pre order, so just just do it now. Yeah, before and I forget. I want a signed copy. It's done. Okay. It's done. It's happening. Yeah, I'm on the list for a signed <laughs> copy as well. I want a signed copy. It's done. Okay. Natalie, this you're incredible. It's just been such a, amazing to work with you over the last uh, two years, and uh, I can't believe all, what you've done for me, so thank you so oh, much. Oh, thank you, incredible. Sean. Thank much you. more good stuff to come. Yes, I agree. All right. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you for listening. We're going to wrap this up because we got to go get ready for a concert right now, okay. um, which I do think David Lang, who's one of the participants this year at the Windy City, uh, it looks like he has some camera equipment with him, so we might okay. be able to get some of that oh, posted. That'd be good. That'd be really great. Get, get, some, uh, get some visual going on with the, this audio production we have going here. Okay. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening. Thank Happy you. horning. Thanks for your okay. Bye. See ya.